0: Hey, it's Andrew, and today on the show, we have Ryan Dumay, Customer Success Manager at PandaDoc. In this episode, we talked about what drove Ryan to make the switch from media and advertising to customer success, how PandaDoc scaled their customer-facing approach as the company scaled, and how they put together customer success decks to bring value to their client conversations using their own tool. We also discussed the upsides and downsides of a matrix organization, setting, tracking, and measuring KPIs, and we then dove into PandaDoc's WISE framework And here's today's episode. Hey, Ryan, how are you doing?
1: Hey, doing well, thanks. How are you?
0: Very good, thanks. Uh, Welcome to the show. And for the listeners, Ryan is the customer success lead at Pandadoc, an all in one document workflow automation platform that helps fast scaling teams accelerate the ability to create, manage, and sign digital documents, including proposals, quotes, contracts, and more. Prior to Pandadoc, Ryan started her career out in media. And moved into advertising followed by product marketing before starting her first role in cs as an account manager at blue leads so my first question for you ryan is what drove you to make the switch from media and advertising to customer success
1: yeah so ever since i graduated college uh, my first full-time job was actually in client services the industry was marketing and advertising and that's something i did for about four years And I really enjoyed it. But as I was looking for my next career move, I actually took a step back and assessed the skills that I liked using every day in my current job and noticed that it actually wasn't directly tied to being in the marketing and advertising industry. Instead, it was more directly tied to being customer facing. So through one of uh, the people in my network, I was presented the opportunity to join PandaDoc. And a lot of the skill sets in the customer success environment just lined up. With what really drives me every day at work.
0: And so you joined Pandadoc, how long ago now? About a couple of years you've been at Pandadoc?
1: Yeah, coming up on two years in January of next year.
0: Nice. And maybe just give us a little bit of context as well. Like you're the customer success lead there now. What is the size of the customer success team? How big is the company?
1: Yeah. So the company has scaled quite a bit from when I joined. When we when I joined, we were about two hundred and fifty employees, and I think we're somewhere around seven hundred, close to eight hundred now, somewhere wow. in that ballpark. We are growing very quickly, so that number honestly changes every day. Yeah, um, but it's very it expensive. sounds
0: literally like every day there must be somebody yeah. new joining.
1: Yeah. Yes, exactly. As far as the CS organization, so the department itself has changed um, and grown, but. A little bit before I started, we were at 14 employees, not including our support department. And yeah. as of, I think, a month ago, we're at 110 employees, including our support department. So in about a two-year timeline from 14 to 110.
0: So that's some rapid growth there as well. What's been some of the challenges you've seen like through this growth?
1: Yeah. So I think probably the classic answer of scaling and scaling effectively. We've done a really great job of keeping our culture at PandaDoc. It's something that I think makes us really unique. And thankfully we haven't had an issue culturally scaling, but obviously being in a customer facing department, scaling and making sure you're delivering Your promises to every client definitely comes with some challenges. As you scale quickly, it's all about how do you keep the experiences consistent with every client? How do you make sure you're not losing sight of what your clients truly want and what you can deliver to them? So I would say scaling our customer-facing approaches definitely proved to be a challenge, but one that I think we handled really well and we're still continuing to tackle and make great strides on.
0: Nice. Let's talk about that a little bit more as well. Obviously this very quick growth, like at what point did you realize, okay, we need to put in some processes and to make sure that we like protecting this experience. And then what were some of the things you did to ensure that you had that consistent experience across the board?
1: Yeah. So the time that I joined was definitely an interesting one. So it was January, 2020, and it was about pre-pandemic. And I would say that the year of 2020 uh, in the CS department was really the time that we Buckled down and scaled. I think when I started, we had very loose processes, but everyone was in a good way empowered to just make their own decisions, do what they felt was best. And luckily the team was small enough and the expertise was there. That was okay. But as we tried to scale, we we needed playbooks and we needed scalable conversation approaches with our clients. And it was in 2020 that I think we really started to carve that out. Something that we something very particular that we didn't have when I started was really great decks to present to our clients that would help drive high value conversations. Two years later, that's like our bread and butter. That's what we thrive on. It used to take sometimes two hours to prep for a client call to make it effective. We can now do it in five minutes and still have the same, if not, honestly, a stronger conversation than we were having before.
0: Glenn, let's talk about that a little bit. So obviously the one is like, you realize it's growing really fast, you need to put in some processes, you need to get some playbooks together. Uh, one of these things as well, like having really good decks to share with clients. What does your process look like around that? How many are, there? is there a single deck that everybody's using? Have you got one per playbook? And what was the process like actually getting that put together in the beginning?
1: Yeah. So we have quite a few different decks, which is great because it helps the CSM identify what's going to bring the most value to a client conversation. In the customer lifecycle journey, we'll have success plan decks presented. We'll move into monthly check-ins or quarterly check-ins or the more formal quarterly business review. We'll do workflow consultations. Our company is undergoing a huge migration from our old software to our new software. We have decks very specific to that. So we actually have quite a few and they all start out as templates. So it makes it very easy for the CSM to start with that and then iterate just slightly based on the client's needs. So we have quite a few of those and the process in getting there, we started small. We didn't have all of those to start with. I'm pretty sure we just started out with a monthly check-in and a quarterly check-in. And they were a few pages long, a quick intro of Just a reminder, I'm your CSM. This is your account manager. This is our support team. And then moving into these are what your success metrics look like. And this is what they tell us. And those success metrics a year and a half ago were not as in-depth as they are now. And then moving into these were your past objectives. These are your new objectives and flowing the conversation in that way. So it started small and it's all Pandadoc deck, so we can use our own product for it. And that's obviously been very strong for us. Before, it was a lot of manual filling in. And then by integrating with other softwares, we're now able to take advantage of using our own variables and having things automatically pull in and pulling in metrics automatically rather than filling in 12 metrics manually. So we've made we've made quite a big adjustment and that's that kind of ties back to how it used to take Two hours to create a deck, and now it takes five minutes because so much of it is automated.
0: That's very cool. And definitely a great way to dog food and use your own product uh, to (laughs) to save time. And I think, and then so originally four or five slides, and then just from there, it evolved over time. Like, how are you feeding back the learnings in from the team? Obviously, quite a big team, everybody presenting. There must have been quite a bit of feedback coming in as well around them and what could be improved. Like, how was the process managed to, to get them where they are today? Like, how? frequently you change them now versus at the start,
1: yeah, we definitely are, we change them less frequently now because I think we've iterated so much. They're in a very good spot, but back when we started it, the team was a little bit smaller and the way that it would work is more of the tenured CSMs would run a few calls off of the deck and then easily go back to their manager and say, Hey, I've actually noticed some conversation. This doesn't flow, or we actually don't use this page instead we're talking about this. And again, we're very much a matrix organization. Our manager was very quick to say, go in there, edit the template. See how the rest of the team likes it. How does that work? So it's very much based on one, one feedback as far as the conversation flowing in terms of the success metrics that get pulled in, that's data that we analyze and look at. And as we've been able to grow out our success metrics, as we've been able to make more connections as to what really drives customer adoptions, is there a metric we weren't showing before that we should show from a management level that's helped iterate the decks as well.
0: Nice. Uh, so it sounds like you've also got a good uh, alignment as a whole. You mentioned as well that you're a matrix organization. Can you explain what that means a little bit more in detail?
1: Yeah. So matrix organizations help empower every individual to make an impact and a difference. You're not as stuck into this linear organization where you as an individual contributor might not have as much of a say in something. It has to funnel through your manager and it has to funnel through that manager's manager and and so on and so forth. By being a matrix, it allows more of a free flow of thought and of change. And we're very quick to empower an individual contributor to spearhead a project if that's something they're interested in or we notice that they have a strong skill in that. And by them spearheading it, we can then t- train an entire team on it. It just empowers every individual to, to make an impact in the business.
0: Very nice. And this was something that was uh, set up before you joined and uh, joining into the organization. What were some of the differences you noticed like maybe from some of your past roles?
1: In terms of being in a matrix organization? Yes. Yeah, I think it, it helps a lot with alignment and just everyone feeling valued. And other organizations I've been at that are more linear Sometimes it just feels like you show up for work and you're just another fish in the pond. And sometimes your opinions aren't as valued. And that can really stifle creative thinking. Your individual contributors are in the trenches. They're at the forefront and they're the ones talking to your customers every day. And they are going to be the most aware from a firsthand perspective of what the issues are. So I think it really capitalizes on making sure that your customers are heard. If you do have a matrix organization, it puts a lot of trust in every person to voice their opinions And to talk about it, would it make sense to make a change based on that feedback? And if it doesn't, that's conversations we have too, right? And it just helps give light to how people can alter their thinking and continue to push themselves to not just think of creative solutions, but creative solutions that will foster customer advocacy, but also align with business needs.
0: Nice. What would you say some of the downsides with this sort of structure?
1: Yeah. There is a downside, right? Luckily for us, I think the upside is bigger than the downside, but the downside of a matrix organization is we move really fast and sometimes maybe too fast for our own good that process will change and someone might not hear about it (laughs) in all honesty. So it really goes back to, we have a lot of open communication, but because everyone's enabled to make changes It's really important those are communicated in a timely manner and that we get everyone's buy-in, right? So making sure you're aligned, if if that change you're going to make, no matter how small or big, impacts another department, that other department needs to be on board. So that's definitely something we strive to do is make sure everyone's involved, everyone's aligned, and everyone gets the same message.
0: It sounds very contradictory in my head, like it's one thing, it's really fast. And then you make these changes on the other side, you need to get buy-in from all these different departments. So how does that work out? Is it just given that everybody's super open to constant change? Because I can see the other, the alternate view in my mind is that if you're needing to get buy-in from every department that you might be impacting or touching, that could slow down and hamper the process.
1: Yeah, I think the way that we get around that is really nailing down our OKRs. So our OKRs start at the leadership level, at the the C-suite level, um, and they're set. Every quarter by our CEO and a few other key players. And in setting our OKRs, that helps us know, okay, which departments need to be involved to achieve that OKR. And then we have consistent meetings, and that's how we stay aligned. So that's how we just basically ensure that everyone's on the same page.
0: Nice. Yeah, definitely. Like this is something most of the guests we chat to, OKRs is a really, really strong framework for alignment. It's like, for my like, uh, opinion as well on this, speaking to like all the guests over the last couple of years, when it comes to churn and retention, just having a really strong alignment is super critical to uh, improving it. Uh, and it typically starts with one of the company's main objectives uh, and then having that alignment throughout the company. So. Very cool. Yeah,
1: exactly. And I think the other thing I'll add is when we're making smaller changes, these aren't changes that are detrimental that if someone weren't to hear about it, everything's going to go up in flames. Our OKRs are really our bread and butter. So even though we have smaller changes happening, they're not altering huge business decisions.
0: Absolutely. Cool. Talking then about like business decisions and OKRs as well as another framework, how is the team like measuring themselves and success? Like what is your customer success KPIs and how did you go about setting that up?
1: Yeah. So right now, this quarter, our team is being measured on adoption, retention and expansion. Adoption is measured by the engagement events that we have with our clients. So what kind of conversations are we having? And we strive to have a certain amount of those per CSM every quarter, that again, very focused on adoption, what's working for you with the product, what's not, how can we improve that? Then we move into retention standard. How much of your base are you renewing every quarter? And then expansion, how much of that base is expanding every quarter? So retention and expansion are, I think the, the two key always in CS. And then we've added that adoption piece more so to drive behavior within our team, because we found that good adoption naturally leads to good retention, naturally leads to good expansion.
0: Nice. And how are you tracking those uh, metrics?
1: Uh... Yeah, so we actually have a progress tracker that was built out by our ops team. Love our ops team. (laughs) They help us with so much, and this is definitely one of them. So it's a spreadsheet that's just automated and it just updates consistently. And that is just automation that's been set up between pandadoc our own product salesforce we have a few other softwares that pull in and I uh, just constantly updating those numbers per our team as a whole and then per individual contributor so we can measure on an individual level as well
0: okay and for adoption and like maybe talk through some what are the main metrics you're looking at specifically then for each of the phases adoption retention and expansion
1: Yeah. So uh, the adoption category changes a little bit every quarter, depending on what behavior we're trying to drive within our team. Two of the things that we're mostly measuring are how many quarterly business reviews are you delivering per quarter? And then how many workflow consultations are you delivering? These are two of the decks that we have just found drive a lot of really good adoption conversations within the team. So we're putting a big emphasis on that this quarter.
0: Okay. And just for context as well, is the setup that you have like really high touch or low touch? What is the majority of your involvement as CS team and how are you focused as well? Do you have marketing automation or is that within customer success?
1: Yeah. The way that the business is split up is right now we actually have a customer success manager for every single account. We didn't used to have that. It's definitely something we've grown towards. So every customer is assigned to someone. Within our customer base, we do have it broken up within cohorts. So we have our upmarket segment, commercial segment, velocity segment, and those are our named CSMs. They have a book of business that is assigned to them. Upmarket's about 70 accounts. Per CSM, commercials, about 150, 170. Velocity, you get into a couple thousand. And then we actually, this quarter, introduced a pooled model. And that's going to be for also a velocity accounts, just lower scale velocity accounts. And in that pooled model, it's obviously a shared book of accounts. And that's our model now. Yeah.
0: There's actually one thing I've noticed like with a lot of companies that they started to scale the practice it would start out with the one-to-one accounts like have a, and a CSM assigned to every account and then slowly over time it shifts to more of a pooled model where you have areas of expertise like dropping in at specific stages of the customer's journey as well so really interesting just to see the different stages as the maturity of the organization grows as well like adopting different models around that and I think each one makes sense for different stages too. What are some of the like biggest pain points the team is facing today now when it comes to customer success, like where do you see your biggest areas of improvement as a team?
1: Yeah. So I mentioned we have our success metrics, um, which is something we call our WISE framework. And that stands for workflow, insight, speed, and experience. And within that framework, we have a set of metrics that we share with our clients. And these are metrics that there was a lot of research done around as to why did we pick them? Why do we present them to clients this way? And they've been a really amazing, amazing thing that drives really great conversations. But something that we're always looking to do is gather more data. So right now, I think we are recognizing that there's still a lot of key data that we're not able to gather just yet. And there's been a lot of internal talks of how do we do that? What are those missing metrics? Why do we need them? How is that going to help every single department at PandaDoc? So I think one of our biggest struggles has been Trying to get those quickly. It takes time to build data points and it's something that we want. We always want right away. So I think that's our biggest challenge right now is accepting that we still have some work to do in that area. And then what can we do to get those results faster?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think definitely sometimes our customer success is one of the last teams to get data resources and analytics. It sounds like you've got a good ops team that's supporting you. You mentioned the framework was called WISE. Is This is as well, you specifically talking about the different metrics that you share with your customers on the calls that you're having. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. yeah. So these are metrics that measure what they're using within PandaDoc. And through that We have a pretty good pulse just from looking at the data raw of how an account's doing. And then, of course, we have a conversation of this is what we're seeing. Is this also what you're seeing internally? These are the metrics we suggest you focus on. Is this also your area of priority? So there are metrics that drive those kinds of conversations. To give you an example of what one of those metrics are, it would be um, your CRM rate. So if you are integrated with a CRM, the CRM rate will show you if you're actually using the PandaDoc iframe within a CRM to create all of your documents, which is something we push heavily for, it's a best practice. So if you have a low CRM rate, but we know you have a CRM, that's always a big red flag for us of what's going on that you're not integrating. Is there something we can improve? Sometimes it's as simple as there was turnover with the client and they're just not aware that was even a thing.
0: Yeah, and definitely with the customer champion leaving, sometimes this is, again, not sometimes one of the big reasons for churn. Nice. And you mentioned there was quite a bit of research that was done to get to these metrics. What did that process look like? Who was involved in that research?
1: Yeah, so that research started a bit before I was with the company, but it actually started in a few different ways. So the first thing was that it actually started as a project between finance and product, And the purpose was just to gather internal data. So it's just to see how is there, what's the product usage look like as it relates to finance. So that was one project that was going on. Then there was another project that was looking at the state of deals and it was taking a look at external surveys. So sellers and buyers within G2 crowd, and then also looking at internal data specifically for our top 10% of customers. Then there was another project that was with marketing and that was called, I believe it was called something like brand promises, which eventually evolved into our wise framework. So as these projects were separately being worked on, there started to become this commonality between all of them and that's how it evolved. So it's all this, these pieces of research in different areas coming together with the main focus of how do we identify how people are using our product, what our product's purpose is, And then relay that back to ensuring that people are getting value from our product and actually making it client facing as opposed to just internal data.
0: Very cool. And how was the team aligning around this information? Like how you mentioned there's a few things that became clear across the different studies and research being done. How did this all get pulled together?
1: Yeah. So it got pulled together a bit before my time, but to my understanding, I think there was just realization that a lot of departments were looking into something that could end up being the same thing. So I'm pretty sure just every single department started to align on it. Someone, one of the leaders from marketing aligned with someone from product, from finance, from CS, and everyone just came together. I know towards the tail end of CS, and marketing worked very closely together with the product team on how we're going to roll it out to clients and that was actually one of the first projects i worked on at panadoc to give you a time frame of when i stepped into when stepped in.
0: yeah. yeah
1: when i stepped into this
0: very cool next up i see as well we're running a little bit short on time i want to save uh, for question ask every guest let's imagine a hypothetical scenario now that you join a new company churn retention is not doing great. And uh, the CEO comes to you and uh, says, you really need to turn things around. The company has 90 days to make an impact and you're in charge. So the question is, what do you do to reduce churn? But you're not going to give the obvious answer and say, I'm going to speak to customers and identify the biggest uh, pain points and they start there. What you're going to do is just pick something you've seen work at your, in your past, either at PandaDoc or a previous company and run with that blindly. What would be the one thing that you want to do to reduce churn quick?
1: Yeah, what I would say to that is that I think it's really important to recognize that churn isn't a metric that's directly tied to CS. A lot of other departments take part in if a client churns. So I would say alignment's the key here. It's important for honestly every single department to be aligned. Was it a bad sale? Was it something product related? Was it something from support? It it can, the finger can be pointed in so many directions. So ownership and alignment and having a one team, one dream vision is is the key. So I would definitely start with alignment and start with having key stakeholder meetings and everyone being involved to really make sure we understand the root of the problem.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I think it definitely, that's like, the root cause of it all because as you mentioned if everybody's pulling off in their own directions there's no clear alignments in terms of what the goal is and what the motivations are it's so easy to uh, be misled and uh, optimizing for different metrics that have an impact on the overall churn and retention cool what's one thing that you know today about churn and retention that you wish you knew when you got started with your career
1: that's a great question i think i would say it's accepting sometimes that it's going to be out of your control. I think your job as a CSM is to really exhaust every single option and to make sure you truly understand why someone's leaving, but to not always take it personally, right? There's been scenarios where it's not product related at all. It's not even experience related. It actually has nothing at all to do with your company. It's just that another company was maybe acquired or going in a different direction or completely changing their strategy. And sometimes I think to bring peace and to make sure you stay focused on fixing the things you can control, you do have to accept that you can't control everything.
0: Yeah, absolutely. there's definitely like a good lesson in that as well. One of our previous episodes with Emmerich Erna, we spoke about, and I loved the concept as well, is that a lot of times companies, when they're trying to reduce churn or retention, they just look at their current number and they say, we're going to reduce it by X percent. And then they go off and try to work on strategies. But most, not most of the time, but a large portion of your time, depending on the customer base you're serving, like a lot of times churn retention is outside of your control. So being able to quantify like what's within your control to change and impact and what's not really helps you set the bar and the standard of, okay, what's really achievable when it comes to reducing churn and like how much of it can we hold ourselves accountable to? Because like you say, just sometimes there's reasons outside of your control that there's no chance, no matter what you did, you weren't going to save that account. Uh, so. Yeah, exactly.
1: I think knowing where to focus just helps you put your efforts in the right in the right place at the right time.
0: Absolutely. Cool. Ryan, it's been a pleasure chatting to you today. Is there any sort of final thoughts you want to leave the listeners with? Like how can they keep up to speed with your work? Any special announcements you want to share with us?
1: Yeah, you're always welcome to connect with me on LinkedIn or reach out to me directly. I'm always happy to chat. And I think just from a CS perspective, I think the biggest thing I would leave any leader with is empower your individual contributors to ask questions. I think asking questions to customers is key and asking the right questions is key. It's how you're going to get the most valuable data that you can then make really great decisions based off of.
0: Absolutely. Very cool. Thanks so much for joining today. It's been a pleasure hosting you and uh, wish you best of luck going forward.
1: Thanks. Same to you.